Good morning, Promise Church. What a blessing to be here with you all this morning. Thank you, Pastor Cindy and Terry, for uh, allowing my wife and myself and our family to join you. Uh, we have such a, a rich history and so many fond memories serving here at this house and experiencing God's presence as a family like we just did in worship. What a beautiful time this was. Wasn't it amazing to just experience? It was so beautiful when people can come and respond. And uh, I remember when my wife and I were first married, we were at this church. So uh, the very formative beginning years of our marriage were started here and sitting under Pastor Henry's teaching and, and learning and growing in the word. And we have a picture of uh, early on, I don't know if, if we have that available. This is during worship when my wife and I were leading worship here at The Promise. We were at the San Marcos Civic Center, if you were here way back then. And that little baby hugging on the, uh, the sound speaker is this giant 13-year-old boy right here sitting next to my wife. So I'd like to introduce my sons, Liam and Uriah. Boys, you wave and say hello. And, you know, it's just a wonderful time when we can come together and we experience God's presence as a family and we can respond. And uh, we have always held a fond place in our hearts when we're able to minister uh, the word of the Lord. And so I would like to invite all of you this morning, if you'd open your Bibles up, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. And we're going to be talking about Jesus' early uh, recruitment of his disciples. And uh, the sermon title this morning is Follow Me. And we have a slide up here where Jesus, you know, and uh, with social media nowadays, it's such a big piece of uh, many of our existence. Our 13-year-old uh, is always, a lot of times he's saying, Dad, can I get, can I get Instagram? Can I, can I be on Facebook? And, uh, you know, we're always, how many have parents in the room that uh, have kids that are pushing for social media? You know, and it's funny where Jesus, he started out with 12 followers, started out with 12 followers. And as he went through his ministry and he goes through and he heads toward the cross at the end of his life, as he's approaching the cross, most of his disciples left him. And he went exactly the opposite route that most of the world will teach. The world pushes you to go a certain direction. Jesus starts with a small number, and he multiplied, and he sowed into, and he invested in those relationships. Give me a water, babe. And so Jesus starts with 12 followers. Thank you. And one of the things that I think is really interesting, we'll go to the next slide. We're going to look at the Apostle Peter and his story because I relate so much with Peter. I love the TV series, The Chosen. Anybody seen The Chosen? And what a fantastic depiction of the life of Jesus. He's so relatable, and it stays, for the most part, according to Scripture. And uh, when you look at Peter's initial encounter with Jesus— you see this story in Luke chapter 5 that we're going to read. As I grew up in church, I was raised, my story is very churched. I was raised with uh, Christian grandparents. They were pastors. I was raised in church from a very young age like my boys were. And uh, when sometimes when you're in church, it's easy for you to go through the motions, to, to know what it's like to, to be in church and do the right things, but it's not always something that captures your heart. And for me, I went through those motions, and I was raised in a church where uh, my entire family ran everything. So my grandmother played piano, my aunt was the Sunday school teacher, and my brother and I were literally the youth group. 
It was just the two of us. And so we're in church, and we would go, and my aunt would be doing the flannel board Sunday school teachings. Anybody raised with flannel boards? You get the little picture of Jesus on this cutout piece of cloth, and you put it on the flannel board, and then you take the 12 disciples, and you put it on, and they would be sharing these Bible stories that would just come to life with pieces of cloth that would go up on the board. And I just remember all these pictures. And it was great I grew up understanding the things of the word, but it wasn't something that captured my heart until the age of 16 when I had a youth pastor that challenged me to come into a prayer room like what we did earlier this morning before service started. And for the first time in my life at age 16, I encountered the presence of God. I encountered what it was like for the Holy Spirit to speak to me for the first time, and it stirred something in my soul that I can't explain. It was something that just came alive inside of me. And I imagine it very much being like that for Peter as well. When you look at Peter, my understanding growing up as a child, and I read about this story in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus helps Peter catch this miraculous catch of fish, this amazing bounty Pastor Cindy talks about God's grace is the undeserved favor. Peter had an encounter with God's grace an undeserved favor. But what I didn't realize is that there are other portions in Scripture where Peter encountered Jesus, and this wasn't his first time seeing Jesus. In fact, if you look at this slide, you'll see that there were three encounters that Peter had with Jesus. We're going to be reading about the third of those three. The first one in John chapter 1, you have John the Baptist who sees Jesus coming out of the desert after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and he says to his disciples and the other people at the Jordan River, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the Bible says that two of John's disciples actually leave John, and they go to follow Jesus to the point where Jesus turns around and he goes, what do you want? He's surprised that they're there. One of those disciples that followed Jesus early on was Peter's brother, Andrew. And the Bible says that Andrew, the first thing he did is he went to his brother, Peter. And in that encounter, in John chapter 1, Jesus says, you are Simon and you will be Cephas. And he changes his name. Your name will be Peter. Later, we see in Mark chapter 1 and also Matthew chapter 4, a second encounter where Jesus is now trying to recruit Peter to come in and be part of the fold, be part of the 12 disciples. In fact, I want to just read you a portion of that. This is in uh, Mark chapter 1. And it says, as Jesus walked along the Sea of Galilee. So here's Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. So they're on the water. They're actively fishing. And Jesus calls out to them and he says, Come follow me. What kind of man does it take to be able to call out to someone and say, follow me? And for them to drop everything and come after them. And what do we see that Peter and Andrew do? Jesus says, and I will make you fisher of men. At once, the Bible says, they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus does the same thing to James and John. They were brothers as well. But what we see in this encounter, which is interesting to me, that I never really captured when I was in the Sunday school class and I had flannel boards and I was learning all of this, I never fully understood that Peter didn't follow Jesus full time at this point. Because if you look later in the, in the chapter 1 of Mark, verse 36, 
Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus. And where was Jesus? He was in a solitary place praying. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So Jesus is drawing a crowd, and Jesus says this. He says, let us go. Everyone say us. Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And then the very next verse in 39 says, so he, he, singular, he, Jesus, traveled. Peter had a full-time job. Not only that, but Peter had responsibilities. He was married. His mother-in-law lived with him because Jesus healed her later on. Peter was busy. He had a lot of things going. How many of you can relate that sometimes God calls us into things, but then we feel the pull and the pressure of life? And so sometimes our yes is a half-hearted yes. And that was my story as well. I had half-hearted yeses throughout my Christian upbringing. And then the Lord has called us, and he was drawing us in to say, will you give me your full yes? And Jesus is a patient, good shepherd, amen? He's the good shepherd, and he's patient. And so Jesus didn't get offended. See, it's important how we visualize and how we see Jesus because the nature of his heart towards his disciples, towards you and I, the love that he expresses towards us is the same love that we possess and we get to express toward those that we see. It's important that we understand that his nature is our nature when we surrender to him. So when Jesus calls his disciples to follow him, it's because he's calling us to step into his life, his lifestyle, his mentality, his opinions. And to the degree that we surrender and say, yes, fully, Lord, I will give it all to you. Peter was there. He's on the edge, but he wasn't fully committed. So we're going to read. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 5. And I wanted to build that context because this is the third time now that Peter has encountered Jesus. This is the third time where Peter had kind of said yes, and he, he left his nets, and he followed Jesus that one time, but he didn't want to carry on and leave his family practice and go to the next town and follow Jesus full time. Luke chapter 5. We'll put the first slide up with the scripture. So Jesus is calling his first disciples. We're going to read in verse 1. One day... As Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him. I love this because it gives a picture. You always have to put yourself in the scene. Jesus is drawing a crowd. His ministry is gaining popularity. And here he is, and he picks. Jesus does nothing by accident. Everything he does is strategic. Everything he does. The Bible says that every word that came out of his mouth was what he heard the Father say. He said, I don't say anything I don't hear the Father say. I don't do anything I don't see the Father do. Everything was strategic. For the time he had his ministry, everything was strategic. So there's crowds gathering around Jesus, so much so that it's pressing in, and he needs to distance himself from the crowd so that the crowd can hear what he's having to say. The people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. And then he saw at the water's edge two boats. Everyone say two boats. This is my favorite part. I love this. Two boats. One belonged to Peter. One belonged to his brother, Andrew. Two boats on the water. Which boat did Jesus choose to go into? Peter's. He could have gone into Andrew's, but he chose Peter's. Everything Jesus did was not by accident. He was strategic. It was intentional. 
Jesus had a plan in this whole process. So Jesus intentionally steps into Peter's boat. Peter, who had kind of hung out with him for a few days, but then didn't travel to the next town. Now Jesus is back in town. Jesus shows up. What's Peter doing at this time? You can read ahead or if you know the scripture. Peter just fished the whole night. He's washing his nets. He's far away. The crowd's gathering in. Jesus is teaching. Peter's not paying attention to what Jesus was saying. He's worried about his business. He's focused on other things. And it's easy to get offended sometimes when we think people should be doing a certain thing. They don't, aren't, they're not doing what we think they should. But Peter had an encounter with God's grace. Peter's going to have an encounter with God's grace. And so Jesus, he saw by the water's edge two boats left there by two fishermen who were washing their nets. Next verse. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him, Simon, to put out a little from the shore. So now Jesus is inconveniencing Peter a little bit. He goes to Peter. He says, can we take this out? Now, I went to Israel, and uh, my wife has been to Israel, and we've seen they have a boat in Capernaum that is very similar to what the boats look like 2,000 years ago when, during Jesus' ministry. And it's not that easy to just take a boat and just go out in the water. It's not like you fire up the Honda and you just, and you just like, and you go out there. You got to pull up anchor. You got to get the row. You got to row it out. You got to get it set. I mean, it's not as convenient as it might be nowadays. Pastor Cindy and Terry have a pool, or not a pool, but a boat they were talking about in Big Bear. And they love to just enjoy the water and hang out at the water's edge. It wasn't like their boat. So Jesus asked Peter to take the boat out into the water. And so now I want you to imagine Jesus and Peter sitting in the boat, and Jesus takes his time to address the crowd. He's sharing the word of God, and there's a hunger from the people. And as he finishes his message, I love this part. And then he sat down and he taught the people, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, I, I just picture this, Jesus standing in the boat, he's addressing the crowd, and then he turns. It's just him and Simon in the boat together. He turns and he looks at Simon. Imagine just the, the non-spoken communication that's going on. Peter's already probably feeling a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt, because he hadn't already fully followed Jesus. Jesus already invited him to come follow me, and Peter said yes, but then he went back to the business. He was focusing on the trade. Jesus locks eyes with Peter. He looks at him. There's this nonverbal communication going on. And then Jesus says, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And there's probably so many things that went through Peter's mind at that time. One probably being frustration, because Peter's like, this is what I do for a living. And I've literally done this all night. I just finished my shift and I want to go home. I'm tired. Sometimes when we're working and we're not walking in the will of God where he wants us to move, we get tired. There's a supernatural energy that comes upon people when you're walking in the will of God. When you're in full surrender to the Lord, there's an anointing that rests upon your life where you're able to move in his strength, in his power. So Peter's exhausted. He's probably thinking, I don't want to go back out. But Peter understands because of his previous encounters with Jesus, because of his reputation, of Jesus' reputation, knowing what he's accomplished, Peter responds. We'll go to the next slide. 
And Simon answered, he says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. And I put net singular. If you look in the New King James Version, it says net. It's almost like Peter's giving a half-hearted obedience again. Jesus said, put out the nets, plural. And Peter says, because you've said so, I'll put out a net. I'll, I'll put one out. We'll see what happens. Peter has no idea the encounter of grace that's about to flood Peter's life. He has no idea what he's about to encounter. But Peter knows enough to say, when the Lord speaks, I'm going to obey. And I want to challenge every one of you, and for myself as well, when the Lord speaks and there's something clear that he's leading you in, do not hesitate in your obedience. Because you don't know who else is going to be impacted and transformed because of your yes. So Peter says, because you say so, I will let down the net. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their net began to break. So they signaled to their partners, his brother Andrew, the other two brothers, James and John. They've been in the family trade for a long time. And they whistled for help. Hey, we need help. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they come and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. This is a story worth or about much more than just fish. What Jesus is doing right here is he's providing for Peter financially. He's taking care of all their financial needs. Peter didn't ask for it, nor did he deserve it. But Jesus, in his abundance of grace, lavishes his love on Peter because there's a calling on Peter's life. There's something more in Peter that Jesus sees that Peter doesn't even see in himself. And it's the same way with you and I, that God is lavishing his love and has lavished his love on you through his son, Jesus. There's a call on your life. And your simple yes, even if like Peter, it might even be a half-hearted yes, that step toward obedience, God will grab a hold of it and you'll, you'll begin a path of radical transformation. And so Jesus provides a vein, an opportunity for Peter to be completely financially independent for his wife and his mother-in-law and his family back home to be provided for so that now Peter can full-time walk and travel and go with Jesus until the end of his ministry. Jesus provided for every single need. He is our provider. Amen? He is our provider. So Jesus creates this opportunity, this way for Peter to step in to full-time ministry. Not everyone is called into full-time ministry, but everyone is called to minister. We are all ministers. And when you allow the Lord to use your business and to take care of his business, he will begin to pour blessings on you. You let him take care of your business. You surrender your business, and he'll begin to bless you. My wife and I have a real estate business that we've, uh, we've ran for a number of years. And we've learned early on that we use our ministry or our business to bless our clients, to bless everyone we come in contact with. And I can't tell you how many times we've sold a client's house that's been in the middle of a dramatic life transformation. Somebody's going through a divorce, a baby's being born, there's a marriage, there's a death. And when you're in those transition times, it's an opportunity for us and our business to inject a little bit of grace into, this, into the room. 
And we've sat in rooms with our clients and held hands in the living rooms after signing a contract and saying, Lord, we just invite you into this transaction. And our clients would just break down in tears because they're going through a terrible divorce. They're going through something that they can't, ex- they, they can't explain. But we invite the anointing of the Holy Spirit into that transaction. And God moves. When you take care of his business, he takes care of your business. Allow him to be a part of what happens. Jesus wanted to be a part of the fishing trade, and he did it through Peter. He did it through Peter. So I wanted to, to take a minute. We're going to set up this video, but before we start, I want to I share my personal story of uh, after my initial salvation as a child, encountering God's presence at 16, there's moments in my life where I can, I've recognized, like Peter, that I've kind of had a half-hearted obedience, where I've kind of walked half-heartedly. And uh, sometimes life can, can kick you around a little bit. Sometimes life can give you bruises, and it, uh, it, it makes it difficult to walk forward. And for me, being raised in a Christian home, I, I felt like I had all, all the right answers. And when it came to relationships, I was dating a girl that I met in church that I grew up with my whole life. I dated her for five and a half years. She was my first kiss. She was my first love, and we ended up getting married, and two months into the marriage, I found out my now ex-wife was cheating on me, and it devastated me. I was devastated. I was in this place of brokenness, and I, I wish I could say that I trusted the Lord, and I just, I, I, I worked through it, and it was, it was something that God really moved in, in amazing ways, but if I were honest with you, I, I'm, I'm not proud of how I lived after that moment in that season of my life. And I was in a very broken place. And the challenge, too, is because I was raised in church, I know how to do church things well and look like you know what you're doing on the outside, when in the inside there's a raging storm in my heart. Can anybody relate with that, or is it just me? So I'm doing churchy things. I was even on staff at a church. And I had moved to Alabama. I'm on staff at this church in Alabama. I'm playing my guitar. I'm able to sing these songs to the Lord. I'm leading worship with my heart. But my heart was so far away. So the words coming out of my mouth were words of praise and adoration to the Lord. But in my heart, I was, I was offended. And I was angry at the Lord. And so there was a, a season for me where I, I walked in some very dark places. And it was in those moments, and I, I have to be honest, is when I wasn't even asking for it. And this is why I relate to the story so well, because Peter wasn't asking for any of this. It's in moments where I'm in my brokenness that God will just flood his children with grace. And he'll call because he is that good shepherd that leaves the 99 to go after the one. And he does that for every one of us. And I want you to believe in, in faith. If anyone has a loved one, a child, someone in your family that you're believing, they're, just, they're not in the place where they need to be. I want you to be in prayer because Jesus is the one that sends the Holy Spirit of heaven to come and bring in the lost in these last and final days. And he will do that in your family. And you stand in the gap and you pray. And so here I was, I'm, I'm on staff at a church, but I'm offended, I'm, I'm mad at the Lord because of how I thought things should have gone with my marriage and it didn't work out that way, and I was offended. And then lo and behold, a few years after, I'm still struggling, I get a random Facebook friend request from a beautiful girl from Alabama right over here. And I thought she was so pretty. She was just gorgeous and still do. But I thought she, <laughs> she was. 
That's terrible. Can we edit that? Can we go back and we'll pull that out? So I get this random friend request on Facebook from my wife. And uh, I remember the mental struggle I had in my, in my heart. Because I, I wasn't ready to love again. I was still hurt. But I, there was this sense, knowing, growing up and being in God's presence, encountering what it's like to know what God is, when he moves, I knew that there was, there was heaven on this. I knew that there was something there. And so I ended up meeting with my wife. We corresponded on, on uh, social media for a couple of weeks, and I ended up meeting with her at Starbucks, which is her favorite place of all places. And we sat in the parking lot after they kicked us out because they closed at like 10 o'clock. And we sat in the parking lot till 2, 3 in the morning. We talked for hours and hours. And in that one day, I recognized that God's hand was all over this connection. We had just confirmation after confirmation. And then I ended up finding out my grandfather calls me the next day. And I was telling him about this girl that I met. And he was saying, I actually had a dream. And when he saw Carrie's picture, he saw her face in his dream the, the previous day. So there's these moments where I saw... I didn't ask for this. And so I tell my wife every day that my wife is a picture of God's grace to me. Because I didn't ask for this. I wasn't looking for a relationship. In fact, I had very different plans for my life. I wanted to go a completely different direction. But God knew that there was something for both of us that he wanted to do through our union together in marriage. And so when I said yes to Carrie, in essence, I was also saying yes to the Lord. Because it was a surrender part in my heart for me to say, God, I know that you're calling me into some of these places. And for me to love her means that I also need to open my heart again to love you. And I wasn't asking for any of those pieces, but God used my wife for me to encounter grace so that I could walk. And I love the response that Peter has in this story. When Peter encountered God's grace, what was his response? He falls to his knees. I mean, picture this. He's crying his eyes out. He feels guilty. He falls to his knees and he goes, depart from me. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve this. And Jesus says, I know. That's why I did it. And he does the same thing for you and I. The beautiful grace of the Father lavished upon us. I wanted to play this clip for us uh, from The Chosen. It's just a four-minute clip that shows, it depicts this scene I feel like they do such a good job to really understand what it looks like when Peter encounters God's grace. Check this out. Let's go! 
My brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. Isn't that so good? Oh, so good. I love, the, I love the intensity of that, where Jesus looks Peter in the eye and he says, follow me. And there's so much meaning behind those two words. And what I love also with this story is, is the part two, is this is exactly how Jesus restores Peter after Peter messes up again. Right? Remember Jesus predicts Peter's denial? He said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter flooded again with that familiar feeling of guilt and shame. How did Jesus choose to restore Peter? He's cooking fish on the shore. And he sees Peter going back to the family trade. He's on the boat with his brother, catching fish. And he calls out, throw your net on the other side. And Peter perks up because that's a familiar voice. I recognize that voice. It was Jesus again. And as soon as they catch the second miraculous catch of fish and they pull it in, Peter abandons his boat, jumps off the ship, swims in fully clothed to the shoreline to meet with Jesus. And Jesus had breakfast cooking on the fire. And he restores Peter. I just, I get emotional when I think through because there's so many times in my life where God has just poured blessing upon me and I didn't deserve it. I think that's the same for every one of us. And so this morning, as we, as we work toward a close, I, I felt it would be appropriate for us to just respond first with gratitude before the Lord. If we could, if we could just even close our eyes. His presence is in the room right now. God wants you to encounter his love in a very meaningful way in this moment. Some of you are weary. Some of you are tired. Some of you are disappointed. 
And there's a beautiful measure of limitless grace that God is pouring out right now by His Spirit all throughout this room, even those that are watching online. There's a measure of grace that is just being poured out upon this church, upon our hearts. And you need to do nothing but receive it and respond and say, God, thank you. Let's just lift up thanksgiving to the Lord even now. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son. And for those in this room or who are watching online, if you haven't even made that decision to follow Jesus, if you haven't fully surrendered, today is your day to say, Lord, I give you everything that I am. The life that you have designed me for is far better than the life I could try to scrape and scrounge for myself. Will you say yes to him today? Will you invite him in today? There's a beautiful grace in the room for God to just bless and touch, bring restoration. I speak right now over every broken heart of full restoration. Every area where there's been disappointment, every area where you've struggled, Jesus is looking straight at you and he's saying, follow me. He's saying, I love you. We all stand to our feet. Lord, we honor you this morning. We just give you praise. Promise, church, I know that we're, you are a church, and we are a church that knows how to pray. I love coming here at pre-service and just seeing the hungry hearts that come after the Lord. Can we together as a congregation, can we just begin to lift up prayers of thanksgiving to the Lord? As a collective body, just begin to open your mouth and just speak out the praise of the Father. Just lift him up. Thank you, Father, for your Son. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for grace that you lavish on us through your Son, Jesus. I believe the Lord is restoring right now. There's areas that you've kind of placed dormantly on the side. There's certain dreams and words that you've, been, you've received that you've, you've kind of placed on the shelf. And I feel like the Lord is bringing a restoration where there's been disillusionment. The Lord is bringing restoration right now. God is saying, believe me for the impossible things. There's new places, there's new levels of anointing God wants you to walk in. There's greater elements of risk that he wants you to take by faith as you walk in the anointing of the Spirit. Jesus is calling you to follow him, to take a risk and to surrender and to say yes. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. 
Can we just sing that simple chorus? We're going to sing, I surrender, I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Come on, let's sing this out. I surrender. Just let this come from your heart. I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know. Come on, sing it out, church. I surrender. Yes, Lord. I surrender. I want to know you more. Come on, one more time. Lift it up. Lord, let your presence sweep across this place as we give you our hearts. I surrender. Yes, Lord, every heart right now restored. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. One more time. I surrender. I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Get this. Peter, in the only epistle that Peter writes in Scripture, this was the beginning, the genesis of his faith. This is how, Je- how Peter encountered Jesus. And at the very end, he writes First and Second Peter. Just a couple years before he's imprisoned, before he's martyred, before he loses his life. And he's giving us a perspective of how we live our lives with all the experiences that he had with Jesus. I love this in Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Peter writes and he says that God's divine power has given us everything, everything we need for life and godliness. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's not by effort. It's not by striving. We rely on his power and we walk in everything we need for life and godliness. How? Through our knowledge of him. It's through our knowledge of him to be intimately acquainted with the ways of Jesus. 2 Peter 1.3. His power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. I pray for all of us this morning as we close. I pray that you have an intimate knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that your relationship with the Lord blossoms in such a real way that it affects every opinion, every relationship, every conclusion you draw about people, every decision you make in life, from small to big, that through your knowledge of Him, that you would encounter the power and the presence of our living God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor David. Isn't that awesome? So good. Well, I'm going to invite my ministry team down front. If you uh, need prayer.
prayer for anything, they'll be down front over here as we dismiss the service. So if you need personal prayer, they can come down and see any one of them. Again, thank you, Pastor David. Thank you, Pastor Kerry, for coming out. We love you guys. And have a great, great week, all right? We love you. We'll see you on Sunday.